we interrupt our regularly scheduled programming to bring you this very special Father's Day roundtable conversation. Listen in as I talk with three other fathers about growing up in different eras, celebrating our fathers, and talking about the challenges we've gone through and face today as fathers ourselves. The Legendary Marriage Podcast begins now. If you're feeling more like roommates than soulmates, it's time for the Legendary Marriage Podcast. Every couple wants to have a great marriage, but the trials and challenges of life pull us in different directions. So we talk with amazing couples who share their stories and incredible experts who share their wisdom about building a life together. And at the end of every show, we give you a conversation starter so you and your spouse can build more intimacy and connection in your marriage by having conversations that matter. Welcome to the show. We're your hosts, Danielle and Justin. We're so Hello. glad you're joining us. So whether you've been listening a while or this is your first time, welcome to the family. Yes. Hey, a quick announcement for our family. Ratings and reviews are a huge part of how new people find the show. So we would love it if you would take a moment today and leave us a rating and a review on iTunes. Okay, so this is episode 81, and we've got a super special show for you today. Yeah, you know, fatherhood is just tough stuff, and I'm so blessed to have a bunch of guys in it with me. Today's show is, it's just an honest, raw conversation about fathers and fatherhood with three of the best guys I know. I know. So I was not able to participate in this conversation because obviously I'm not a father. What? (laughs) I wouldn't have too much to add to the conversation, but I do want to give a shout out to my dad, Devin. Awesome, awesome dad. So the thing that he is famous for in my world um, is he has all these special mottos that he lives life by. There's just so much wisdom in all his mottos. We want, I want to challenge him someday to write a book. Oh my gosh, I was thinking about that this very morning. You know what? My four-year-old, Caroline, now she comes down the stairs <laughs> and in the morning she'll say, uh, today's a brand new day full of love and opportunity. And that's something that my dad always says. Yes. So, you know, they call them like gr- grandpa sayings. So... You know, uh, teamwork makes the dream work. Windows of opportunity open and windows of opportunity close. We could do a whole show just of the Devin. I want to get him on to do a show about them. Oh my gosh. He's been hesitant so far. I know. I know. Maybe if our listeners send enough (laughs) mail. Put it in the ratings and reviews. Devin, you must share all your wisdom with us. Or jump over to the Facebook group and, uh, and tag tag Devin and Carla and, and just challenge him to come on. Oh my gosh, that would be so awesome. All right, so he is not on the show today, but we have guys from all different um, levels of fatherhood. Is that what you call it? Stages. Stages. We've got Thank some you. different levels of fathers. we got a couple guys on the show today who are really bad, but then we've got some okay guys <laughs> like me. Uh, like I'd put myself somewhere in the middle. And then we've got a couple guys. No. It, no. Stages. Stages. Stages and ages. But anyways, it's an awesome show. So let's just get to it. All right. Whoa, my voice is terrible today. I got a cold this week, but um, I wanted to jump on the line with some of my some of the the best guys I know, and we're just going to talk for a little bit about fatherhood, about what it was like for us growing up, and and what's like becoming fathers, and 
in, in the world today. Um, and so I wanted to just introduce everybody. We got Jim on the line. Jim is my uh, adoptive father. He's my best friend's dad. And like, we've known each other for like 27 years or something like that. Long time. And, uh, you know, my dad passed about six years ago on Father's Day. And it, just in that time, I, I feel like um, I, I lost my dad and I, and I mourn that, but I have, I have Jim <laughs> and it, it's, it's this, it's a really awesome relationship. I, I'm just so grateful to have you in my life. And then there's Luis, friend, compatriot, business associate at times. And uh, just this, we met at church, but like 10 or 12 years ago. And it was kind of one of those uh, man love things. <laughs> A bromance, huh? Yeah. And then there's there's Trent. Uh, Trent is uh, a friend through coaching and and actually through church and through the work that uh, well, Luis and Trent both through the work that we do with Braveheart Intensive. These are three of the the group of guys that I just look to and respect and trust and admire so much as husbands and fathers and as men. And so we're just going to have a little conversation. Say, say hi, guys. Hi, guys. Hello. <laughs> Hello. It's interesting. Let's go. Let's go back a little bit. What was maybe your earliest or favorite memory about your dad? For me. Let's see. We go back to, uh, oh, we're going way back with me because I'm the old guy. <laughs> I grew up on a farm and uh, my one of my earliest memories or one of my favorite memories was Christmas whenever my dad got me my favorite present of all time, which was my very first dog. Oh. And he had Santa Claus, which happened to be my uncle at the time, bring the dog to the house to me. So Santa Claus actually brought me my very first dog. And wow. That was just one of those early memories of him, you know. And, you know, my dad's always been the guy, was always the guy that was, you know, he went to work. You know, my dad left at, he drove a coal truck. He left at five o'clock in the morning and he didn't get home till five o'clock at night. So he was gone all day, but he basically taught, you know, me and my brother and my sister, you know, that, you know, you take care of your family. You do what you have to do to get your family taken care of. You know, you work hard, you, you pay attention, you take care of your neighbors. You know, my dad was always the guy that whenever the neighbors needed something, it came to him because he was always there to go help do whatever. You know, it was a, a farming community type thing. My closest neighbor was a half a mile away. So we had a ways to walk. Yeah. I got a lot of favorite memories, but the one that is, I guess, one of the warmest ones was when we moved to Austin in 95. And, and I actually got a job at the state. I used to work downtown in Riverside. And every day at lunch, I would go walk on the on the lake, by the lake. And we go walk by the lake and I would get on the phone and I would talk to my dad. And uh, every day we, we talked for 45 minutes or so. And uh, wow. I got to know him. <laughs> I got to know him like I'd never known him before. Because um, by then I was married, you know, had a job. Um, we were out on our own. And, and I don't know, you and I, 
650 miles away from them. Um, so it was it was uh, it was a really great time. Um, you know, he got to build into me. He, I got to ask questions, and we just we had a really just wonderful relationship. It was it was it was really amazing. I knew he loved me, you know, unconditionally. Yeah. I knew he was uh, he was uh, proud and excited of, uh, of who I was and, and and what I was doing. Um, so that was, of course, extremely important for my uh, role as a father now. And uh, it was, uh, I think, out of, out of all the all the memories that I have of him, that was probably the the warmest season of my life uh which i mean i, I was i was in my 20s um and, and we had you know we had all kinds of good stuff growing up he uh we we, we went to to a, uh, one of those golf clubs and uh, we played tennis and, and and we used to compete he and i would compete and uh he, he would challenge me and, and and i would beat him and that was awesome <laughs> <laughs> i don't know if he let me beat him but i beat him um, and then uh, we had really great relationships with other families. Uh, he was he was easy at making friends, which thank God that gene transferred to me and my son and my daughter, and <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, and, if you if you meet Luis, you're part of his family. Period. Like, like you, well, not Jim, everybody. Jim's never met Luis. <laughs> You're you're in now. Like, it's, expect expect a massive hug the next time you see him. Okay, that's true. That's true. If you don't like hugs, sorry, you're gonna be converted. Hugs are perfect. I like hugs. <laughs> yeah, but that's uh, you know. I remember. I remember as I was doing some of the work at Braveheart and uh, and journaling. I remember connecting with that. You know, looking at how I connect with people. How I do business, how I interact with people. And I remember, uh, I remember getting that from him. I mean, I, I wasn't even aware that I was learning this, but, but, uh, somehow it's, uh, it's a way that I honor him now. He's talking about walking the lake uh, at lunchtime and talking on the phone. I, I just, I, I have this, this pang of envy, like uh, my dad passed away, I said, like six years ago on Father's Day, but it was about a decade even before that, that it, it, he started yeah. declining. And so when I was hitting those years of we're getting married, we were going through infertility and so on. He, he just, he didn't have, he wasn't fully present anymore. He was developing dementia and Alzheimer's and, and that stuff. And so I, I, you know, like I so envy and celebrate that you had that chance to to do that. Well, I remember your dad, Justin. He was there for you every time. Oh when yes, he was going on through school, going yeah. through all the plays because him and I were up there putting together stage sets and everything yeah. like for you guys. Yeah, and taking take. I mean, Jim and and Jack, my dad, were kind of like the the dads of the whole group. Like people would literally go up and, 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 you know, my friends, oh, some of them couldn't even care about me. They were just like, Oh, I can't wait to talk to your dad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and like, 
Jim and Jack would, would be the chaperones on every trip, on every adventure that we went on as in the drama club and, and things like that. Yeah. We had uh, got some good memories. Yeah. <laughs> got kicked out of Kings Island. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this big amusement park up in Cincinnati and, one of the kids decided to be a klepto, so we all had to leave. It wasn't Justin or Ryan. No, no. Oh, my gosh. Trent, how about you? First or best memory? So the one that pops in my head was um, I was probably five years old, and I was playing t-ball, and my dad was the third base coach, and he strategized with me. Because at this age, if you can get it out of the infield, it's the, it's an in-the-park home run. So he'd strategized if I could hit it right between first and second base. And I guess I was pretty good because I could aim. So it was a four-inning game, and I got four home runs in that game because I could put it right between first and second base, and I was really fast. <laughs> so he was... I remember him just throwing me in the air and celebrating after I did you know, four home runs in a game. What What that said to me and what that taught me was um McGinty boys show up and so I you know just like we carry the good and the bad from our fathers to our sons um if I'm driving the minivan and my boys are in the back and I yell you know what do McGinty boys do my boys will echo back show up and that's something his dad that's something his dad did not do for him he was a military dad. He was, you know, deployed a lot. My dad was the oldest of five kids and he had to become the father because he was older than his siblings. And, you know, there was some resentment there because he had to, you know, run the show when his dad was gone. And even when his dad was home, he wouldn't attend any of his events. And so my dad, not only attended all of my games and everything, he was my coach for half of them. And uh, even last night, I'm, you know, at my son's basketball game and who's sitting right behind me. It's my dad and my mom. So um, they're still showing up. And um, so, yeah, that was, that continues to be a good memory for me. Oh my gosh. That reminds me of uh, Danielle's dad, Devin. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, both her parents really, like every every volleyball game, every broom ball game, every softball mm-hmm. game, everything. Like and and yeah. he was he, Devin is like Jim's dad. I mean he he was up and out the door at like four o'clock in the morning, and worked. Yeah. I mean a physical job for forty years, and right. found a way to be there every single time. Danielle still cites that today, like how they they showed up. Yeah. Man, what a great, yeah. what a great. And yeah, and the deeper learning there even past that one thing is we don't have to, we don't have to carry on the things of our father if we choose not to. And my dad made an active choice that he was not going to carry that from his father forward. He was going to show up where his father didn't. And I will tell you that there are plenty of good things that he chose to carry on from his father, like leadership, like he was a military man and he taught my dad a ton of leadership. And my dad was a firefighter captain. And in my leadership roles, I definitely call my dad for advice. I'm like, what would you do here? And what did you do? And so leadership is something that has been carried down from his father to him, to me, and will be to my boys. So just that 
as fathers, I think it's really important that we take um, an active role in choosing what we choose to carry forward to the next generation, what we choose to drop. <laughs> Absolutely. What aspect of turning into your dad scares you the most? This is for everybody. Turning into that raven maniac that can just grab the belt and heartbeat and beat the crap out of somebody. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I, I got to say, you know, I was only ever remembered getting a spanking from my father one time, but he was authority. Whatever he said went. That was it. You didn't question it. You just did it. It's that's one of those things where you, you kind of like, I don't want to be that part of my dad. And I've been able to step back from it and say, you know, son, it's your decision. You make your choices, whatever you choose, I will back you. But it's your choice. It's your life to live. I've lived mine. You need to live yours. And that's the stuff I'm trying to make sure that I keep passing on to, for me now, my grandson. You know, make your choices. But whenever you make your choices, as my dad said, you make your choices. Now, figure out how you're going to get out of it because you got yourself into a mess now. I'll help you, but you got to start working your way through it. I think you, Jim, I've, I know you. You have an ability to not in a not in a crazy way or a, a violent way, but you have a, a really uh, powerful way of showing up and bringing authority in a calm way. Like there have been moments where where you said something to me or to Ryan, and it's just like, oh, okay, <laughs> yes, sir, yeah, okay. That but you're right. the The other part of it is you you do you um you invite people to to think things through to think and make a decision and i think it works because ryan is he's a brilliant guy and he's a brilliant guy in part because that's that's how you've raised him yeah well that was that's one of those things where i have to say my dad gave me the taught us because he taught us how to I mean, I can physically do just about anything that there was to do whenever it came to construction wise. You know, I mean, not everybody can run a welder. I can run a welder. I can run a blowtorch. I can run a hammer. I can do all kinds of stuff Not that really had nothing to do with what my job was in, yeah. in life. But all of that came from my dad working in, in his shop because, you know, like I said, he got home at five o'clock at night. But between five o'clock and eight o'clock, we were out in the garage working on, you know, basically working on his truck, getting it ready to go the next day. But me and my brother were always there underneath it, over top of it. So we learned how to do things. And he would automatically tell us, you know, look at the size of the bull. What size is it? Go get the right socket. So that was one of those methods of teaching us to look and think and do. And I've tried to pass that on, that idea of look, Take your surroundings and make a decision based on what you see and do the best you can. With my dad, I guess I would choose to leave maybe some uh, anger and stubbornness. Um, and l- let me preface that with my dad has grown like a fine wine. I mean, he has definitely um, gone better with age as far as those categories. When he was young, he could get pretty hot pretty quick. And, um, yeah, there was definitely some beatings and probably well-deserved. Um, but, and, and I think there's my, my mom, 
um, called me the other day and she's like, why are your boys not scared when I show them a wooden spoon? And I'm like, what are you talking about? (laughs) 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 And apparently my wife and I, I I know for a fact, my wife and I have never beat my kids with a wooden spoon. (laughs) But my mom said, I only had to do it once. But once I beat you guys once with a wooden spoon, all I had to do was show it to you. And the problem was solved. And this is not why your kids just laugh at me when I show them the wooden spoon. (laughs) And so, I mean, there's different ways to discipline and I'm not anti-corporal punishment at all. It just seems like maybe it's a parenting style for my wife and I. It doesn't happen very often. Um, But there's, I guess there's intention around, are we doing it in anger? Are we doing it in, you know, cool, calculated, this is why we're doing it type thing. But I do remember, especially there was a time where my dad lost his temper a bit with a belt and there was definitely some marks left. And he came in and was very remorseful, tearful, apologetic, and, you know, just said, I made a mistake. I shouldn't have done that in anger. And I remember when my dad would mess up, Um, he would swallow his pride. He would come back, he would apologize and tell me how much he loved me. And I think that alone was, I mean, we're all going to jack it up as fathers at one time or another. Um, but just modeling the coming back around and letting them know that was not me. (laughs) That was my shadow. That is not what you want to pass on to your kids. And that's what I heard from my father, um, in love, even after he messed up and lost his ink, lost his temper and things like that. So, um, I've definitely, that has been huge for me and my boys. Um, just me coming back and apologizing and saying, look, I messed up. I don't think I've ever thought, I don't want to become like my father, <laughs> which I guess is good. <laughs> um, uh, let's see. So there, yeah, there was, there was punishment. Uh, there was my way or the highway. <laughs> which, which, that one actually stuck. <laughs> if you know me well. You know, I, <laughs> and then, uh, um, I mean, when I was, when I was small, he was, he, he would discipline me. When my mom couldn't control me, then it was a, it was a typical, wait till your father comes home and oh my goodness, <laughs> I was terrified. Um, but, um, um, I mean, I, I know, I know, well, of course now, you know, I got my own and if you know my son, you know, he's got all kinds of wonderful features. Um, and, uh, you know, he, he, he's, uh, I don't know, I don't know how much I've used from what I've, what I learned from my dad raising my son um but I've, i mean I, I now i know how hard it is to deal with a little creature that has their own mind <laughs> you're like well do i overpower them do i coax them do i bribe them do i just you know them? What, what the heck do i do and i try everything um so um i mean i i remember like i said i remember getting in trouble and and and, and feeling the pain of of my dad's rage, I remember that. But it wasn't it wasn't often. So as far as becoming my dad, things that scared me, scared me. I think it would it would only be that that anger because I do remember being afraid of his anger, and and actually that that transferred because my son is terrified of my anger too. 
Um, which I guess, you know, in a way it's good. If it's mishandled, it's bad. But if, yeah. if, if he knows, if, if he knows that yeah. my anger is going to show up, if he shows up home, you know, on drugs, that's a good thing to have a, a, a healthy respect for my anger. And also to know that my anger is, is, is available for him, you know, to protect him as well. What a great distinction. Uh, my anger is available for him as well to protect him. Yeah. yeah. I love that. Uh, there is a healthy kind of anger that is about protecting and providing and, and caring for uh, what's right and the people that, that matter to us. Uh, just the thing that stuck out as everybody's been sharing has been uh, about anger in some way is like, it taught me something. Yeah. It shaped me in a positive way. And there's, there's some, there's some less than ideal aspects to it. We'll get back to our conversation in just a moment, but we wanted to take a minute to talk about what it takes to build a legendary marriage. We're going to focus on community because we believe that isolation is the enemy of a legendary marriage and community is a big part of the solution. You see, the truth is your spouse cannot meet all your relational needs and it's crazy to try to make them. Doing so creates unneeded strain and codependence to simply not healthy. So men need to have connection and community with other good men. And women need same with other good women. And together you need a few couples who can stand with you as you wait find a way over, around, or through every challenge life has to offer. See, we all long for a place to belong to, for a people to belong to, a tribe where we're supported and encouraged, where we can do the same for others. And our community on Facebook makes it easy. This is a group where you can connect with other couples who refuse to settle for an ordinary marriage. So come join the conversation. Share your ideas, insights, experiences, victories, and failures in a circle of men and women who will support and encourage you. Be a part of this movement of couples. We're transforming their marriages and families forever. It's an amazing group. We hope to see you there soon. You can find us over at legendarymarriage.com slash community. And now back to the show. Uh, I was such a punk. Y'all, I was such a punk as a kid. I remember one time, I forget how old, because I, I have a terrible memory for that. But my dad was so pissed. I mean, it was, I, I did something and off came the belt and he would loop it and then crack it, you know, crack. And then he, he like whacked across my ass so hard. I saw stars and it was, it was, he was, I mean, it was not a, from a healthy place. The anger was not from a healthy place. And the little re rebel in me rose up and says, is that all you got? <laughs> and so he came at it again. And I said, yeah, some more, you got more in you. Come on, old man. And I mean, I, I mean, I was, I was little, I was little. This wasn't, this wasn't, you know, the guy was teenage years. I was little and he did it again. I'm like, all right, you got any more? You, you want to keep going? And again, and again and again until finally he gave up but man my ass hurt for like a week <laughs> uh, i wish i, I wish i could go back and apologize for that one now there are those individuals the corporal punishment does not work <laughs> there are those individuals where you know it's not gonna work so don't bother you know i remember my son basically whenever he was two or three years old he was 
a, just an absolute terror. He would yell and scream and do whatever he wanted to do, and that was it. And there was just no, he wasn't going to, there's no sense beating on him, not going to work. And so we were at a store, and he was just throwing an absolute tantrum. So I remembered something my dad had done to me once, too. And it was, I just picked him up, wrapped my arms around him, gave him a big hug, and said, get as angry as you want. It doesn't matter. I still love you. And I remember my dad doing that to me, and I did it to him. And I just walked out the store with him. He was screaming bloody murder, and I just kept hugging on him and telling him, get as mad as you want. It don't matter. I'm bigger than you. You're going to go with me. I still love you. And that was it. Mm. Just doing that. So that was something that I had gotten from my dad. It was actually a good thing. Man, that speaks to a kid's soul. Yeah. I'm stealing that one for sure. Yeah. Note to self. <laughs> yep. I've used that one on my granddaughter already too. Mm. She's a handful. She's she's an amazing little girl. She's her dad. Yeah. Yeah, she is. She very much is. <laughs> uh Ryan, if you're listening, that's a compliment. <laughs> so I I remember um, Danielle and I bought our first house and, uh, my dad was an engineer and had done, a, you know, grew up doing, doing the construction thing. They had built a house and so on. And Danielle and I bought this house with this idea of we're going to gut it and remodel the whole thing, including oh. a, hole, a giant hole in the roof. And we're going to build this oh. and turn a story and a half house into a full two story house. And dad, can you, can you help us, you know, draw up the plans for this, this thing? Sure. No problem. And he, you know, cause he did consulting work with, with this big construction company and everything. And uh, so we're going along, we tear the roof off. We've got, you know, there's, there's storms coming and we're building this dormer. And um, I, I suddenly realize like, this isn't going together the way it's supposed to. Like things aren't lining up the way they're supposed to. We're following the plan. And I come to realize Jack has taken three different methods of doing this, of building a dormer onto an existing house and combined them. And the result is like a jigsaw blade where it meets. It's this angle, that angle, the other. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was like, there was no way for it to line up and have a nice straight line. And that was kind of the moment that I first recognized he was, he was starting to decline a little bit, but it was really the moment when I, when I, I remember realizing he's human, like he really, he's human. He's not infallible. He's not invincible. And it was also a moment of a lesson like, well, all right, well, we'll figure it out. And that was just a consistent thing. Wake up in the morning and there's no hot water, grab the duct tape and some, you know, some, a screwdriver and let's go take a look. What are we going to do with duct tape and a screwdriver? Don't know, but it can't hurt. <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll find a way. So I, I'm curious, what was, when did you discover your dad was human? I don't think I ever thought he was not human. <laughs> yeah. I think, I mean, uh, you know, we, we go through the stages where dad's Superman and all this stuff. Um, but I don't, I don't, I can't recall 
ever thinking that he was immortal, godlike, you know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't I don't recall ever ever thinking that. Yeah, um, that's that's kind of the same here. Yeah, yeah and I, I don't know I don't know that my son or my daughter have thought that you may have to ask him because I, I know I've shown them how human I am <laughs> a lot of times. Sure. Um, but um I mean, as I, you know, as we've done some of the work with, with Braveheart um, and, you know, John Eldridge reading those books and, and, and thinking back of, of how life has been and, and how you know, my dad's role has been there and all those things, I, I, I don't think, I don't think he ever was, I don't think I ever put the expectation on him that he was, you know, all-knowing, <laughs> perfect. <laughs> That's a heck of a thing to put on a dad. Um, so yeah, no, I, I think uh, I always knew he was human. I, I, I definitely saw, you know, <coughs> challenges, and I was one of those. Uh, <laughs> I gave him a run for his money, um, but uh, but I but I also remember he's always he 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 always made me feel as his beloved son, mm. always. So, I mean, I, I, you know how important that is. Um, yeah. I mean, that, 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 I think if I, if I were to say that's how I know he was human, it, it's that. Yeah, I remember a time where uh, we were young and my brother and I were just losing our stuff. I mean, tearing up the house, being little hellions, not listening. My mom was away. My dad was trying to get stuff under control and just wasn't working. And this is usually about the time he just like rages and, you know, but on this particular day, he just walked away, went to his room and my brother and I were just like, what just happened? And I remember he left the door unlocked. So we, followed him in there. And I remember he was just sitting on his bed and weeping. Hmm. And we're like, Oh my God, the world is going to end because dad does not cry. And we're just like, what's going on? And it was probably one of those weeks where he'd worked 60 hours or something and, you know, didn't sleep the night before. And, you know, we've all been there as dads where you just lose it. And I remember witnessing that as a kid and, Oh my God, I'm so sorry, dad, you know, um, but just the times that I've seen my dad cry were few and far between, but, um, when we're smaller and we're still trying to figure out emotions, just seeing that was, um, pretty impactful. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Thinking about all that, what, what scares you about being a dad today? Like what makes you lose sleep? Oh, well, I got a 17 year old and a 10 year old. When 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 the boy was born, I did have a lot of, of nights of oh my god, what are we doing here? Um, but now I'm, I'm I think I mean he's 17. His his character's formed. He's I know who he is. Uh, we have a good understanding. We disagree a lot <laughs> on execution, but uh, that's normal. Um, I guess my my. My the thing that, that that scares me is is you know him getting hurt, um, you know some kind of 
bad relationship that leads to some kind of addiction, you know, that, that, that does scare me. Um, but that's why, you know, it's very important that I build into him that he knows that that's just not an option for my daughter. I guess <laughs> it might be out of my control in a way, but, um, yeah, for my daughter, of course, I want, I want her to be able to, to be assertive, to be respected, to grow into the yeah. amazing woman she is. Uh, and, uh, yeah, not not to have to deal with the the nastiness of of, of the world. Uh, those things, because it's some some of those things I have some control over, um, and some of those things I just have no control. So that's where prayer and supplication come in. Uh, but other than that, I mean, they're 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 incredible. They're they're an adventure. I I learn from them a lot more than than I teach them, which is that was a great realization. <laughs> Figure out that. You know, my son, when he was little, knew more about how to be the image of God in a in a in a, in a man and a boy than than I did with all my junk. Um, so <clears throat> that was uh, that was really good. Yeah, that's that's pretty much all I got. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think mine is just missing it. That's my biggest fear is that they're going to graduate from high school in just a couple of years. I mean, they're 11 and nine now, so they're still in elementary, but it's, it's going fast and I'm working 60 hours a week. And although I'm not missing any, you know, games, I'm still missing a lot of time. There's a lot of days that go by where I'll see them for 10 minutes, putting them to bed. And so my biggest fear is just missing out on, on the time um, on those conversations that need to happen that don't because I'm not there. Um, you know, the, put it, putting in the intentional work of um, teaching them the lessons, taking them on the adventures, and um, not zoning out with Facebook and watching a game when I could be spending time with them. Um, but that takes a lot more energy and effort. So that's my biggest fear is that I'm just going to coast and uh, miss it. Now, having been through that part of it, I can tell you that as long as you're from present for what you can be present for, whenever you're there, be mm-hmm. there. Otherwise, there isn't much you can do about it because you got to put a roof over their head. you got to put clothes on their back, food in their bellies, yeah. and yeah. just be in there, so... Yeah. what time you get you, you cherish it when you get yeah. to my, when you get to be my age you start following them instead of them following you right that's my son's biggest fear that is that I will buy a travel trailer and park it in his front yard <laughs> <laughs> oh my that's god <laughs> They were so excited when you guys moved to town. Like, I, I think, I think you know, there is a healthy distance more than driveway <laughs> for everybody. Uh, you know, I think I have two little girls, four and six years old. And the thing that, that strikes me most right now in this moment is I just, I want them to be, to have a sense of who they are 
and the the courage and the strength and the tenacity to take a stand for that. Like, and, and practically, I want them to, to be able to deliver on in, in the world we live in today. I want them to be able to deliver a no to somebody in a way that makes it absolutely clear that there is no room for misunderstanding. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, you know, in any circumstance, uh, you know, I've, I've just, with little girls, I think about human trafficking. I think about me too. I think about all of the things that, that are happening in our culture right now, good, the bad and the ugly. And I think the thing that scares me most is I, I don't fully know how to prepare them. But the comfort of it is I don't have to. I have a circle of men like you guys. I have, you know, there are other men in our neighborhood, in our community that can help. And, and I just, so I'm so grateful to have those circles. As you were saying that, I was, I was actually thinking about the importance of developing character. If you if you know my son and you you spend time with him, he knows pretty well who he is, and and you know we've we've been able to do the same thing with Nadia and 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 you know surrounded surrounded by by great community, where they can be who they are and sometimes I'm like hey tone it down a bit, uh, but they're comfortable, right they're they're comfortable being themselves and they don't have to perform to be accepted, right. Yeah. And, yeah. and I think that being able to go through the mistakes that they make, being able to see other people make mistakes, being able to be surrounded by loving community that will hold them accountable, right, is, is uh, one of the, the, the biggest things that I'm grateful for, you know, as a, as a, as a parent, <clears throat> that I don't, you know, we, we had that growing up, but, but not, not in this format, you know, this... You know, being 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 around you, of course, is 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 awesome. Um, you know, everything, all the relationships that have developed from, from you know, just that one point of contact, right? The work of Braveheart and all the the journaling, all these other things. Um, you know, they've they've helped make my family a better family, I think, and help my kids become better kids. And 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 I think that's going to play a big role in who they, you know, how they show up in the world as people of character as people who know who they are and, and also as people that show up to a, a relationship, you know, go into a relationship with the assertiveness of, of who they are and giving people permission to be who they are, right? You don't have to pretend when you're around me. You're who you are. I'm who I am. If you like me, great. If you don't like me, I don't care. Right? We can still work together. It's yeah. simple. Um, so that, yeah, that's... Hmm. That's what your thought triggered. So in the couple minutes we have left, uh, really, it's a two-part question. What's the best part of being a dad? And what, what one thing would you, what one piece of advice would you give to the guys listening? Best part of being a dad is basically just watching your kids grow up to become active, involved citizens in the world. There's, that they're actually seeing what's going on around them. They know what's happening. Watching, you know, for me, it was watching my grandkids too, watching my son with his children, seeing how he 
you know, was always there. And one of the things that I want to pass on to all the dads, doesn't matter, is your kids are watching. They're always watching what you do, what you do, how you react, and what you're doing. And that's, you know, Luis, your development of the character. That was something your kids learned by watching your character. And I can see it just, you know, you talking. You've got the character. Same way with Justin. Your girls are learning their character. They watch their dads for that. You know, I've told people that, you know, whenever you lose, you know, I've lost both my parents. When you lose your mother, you lose the love. When you lose your dad, you lose your compass. Your compass is what points you to the North Star. It's what tells you where, which direction is the right direction to go. That's what your dad basically instills in you. He lets you know that, okay, this is the right way to go, son. This is the way you do things. So those are the things that you'll pick up, that your kids will pick up from you without you knowing it. Wow, I love that, the compass um, metaphor there, because I have had times where I'm envious of some of my Christian brothers and their relationship with God, how they can have this beautiful two-way conversation exchange. And I noticed one time that the common thread for just about all of those men was they either didn't have um, much of a relationship with their father or their father had died very early on in their life. And they didn't have that compass, and therefore they um, had to be much more reliant on their Heavenly Father to be that compass, whereas I can pick up the phone and ask my dad for advice. Um, And so I I just found that super interesting. Um, But the best part of being a father for me is just I don't have to do it alone. I have this superhero wife that has very different priorities than me. I would love for her to clean the house more, but she's like, you know what? No, I'm here to have these kids have a great summer and have a lot of fun. And we're going to go to the pool. And I I love that about her. I would never tell her that because, (laughs) but I love that about her. Um, And just, you know, watching these boys come into their own character and watching the things that are not at all from me or my wife and neither one of us have this that or the other character attribute or tool but just watching like god put that there and it had nothing to do with us and discovering those is really really fun one of the things that uh, a friend of mine a friend of mine just had their their little baby girl well his wife of course uh and he's an incredible young man i mean he's 25 years old started a nonprofit. he's an engineer he's doing all kinds of things he's he's amazing and uh and uh, you know, watching him love his wife, and and you know the excitement of the baby, and and, and trying to prepare and all this stuff. Uh, for him, I would say, you know, you, you don't really have to try so hard. You you, ever, you got everything you need, right? Uh, you know, we're 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 <laughs> we're made to be fathers. I mean, that's mm. ingrained in us. Now, some of us connect with that. Some of us cannot connect with that. Well, that's, you know, that's where the work comes in. Um, but you don't have to prove to anybody that you're a good dad. Just love your kids, love your wife, love your friends, and it, it, it works out. You, know, you don't have to actually pop a child to be a father. You can be a father figure to somebody. 
and uh, and still do the same things that a biological father would do. Uh, in fact, how many people do you hear say, you know what, my father failed at being a father, but this friend of mine ended up being like a father to me, and that transforms their entire life. Yeah. Um, so, you know, just don't, don't try so hard. Uh, don't beat yourself up so much. Um, you know, some of the threads that I've been reading are threads about feel, you know, feeling inadequate. Well, yeah, I mean, if, if you're a guy, you're going to feel inadequate. You know, if you're, a, if you're a mom, you're going to feel like you're the worst mom ever. You know, it's, 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 it's amazing the, the stuff that we tell ourselves. So for that, I would say do the work, um, you know, journal, um, surround yourself by, by good people. Um, I mean, we all know what good people looks like, uh, <laughs> whether we like it or not. Uh, we, we all have somebody that we respect, that we appreciate, that we want to learn from that uh, you know we could we could have a cup of coffee every two weeks and just just talk about life and, and learn from them and then go back and journal on it stop freaking out so much <laughs> that's the other thing and and you know, i got a phd in freaking out so um <laughs> I, got, I, got, I got lots of experience there. they're not alone i got one of those too <laughs> yeah yeah i mean it's, it's 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 when you realize that okay so the kid's gonna get sick okay well now you can go through that process of the kid getting sick doing whatever you need to do and the kid healing freaking out losing your hair not sleeping or you can go through that process knowing that you know it's going to be okay it's going to be rough but either way you're getting through it now you can go through it freaking out or you can go through it normal um so you know <laughs> don't don't follow my example and don't freak out so much <laughs> it all works out um and then i guess the last thing is to help your family, help them understand that your strength is theirs. All of our strength really? is available. We use it to attack those we love or we use it to protect those we love. The difference is whether we're doing the work or not. If we're doing the work on self-acceptance, if we're doing the work on building our community, surrounding ourselves by great people, if we do that work, then our strength becomes available to our families and the ones we love, and it transforms them. You know, it, it helps build character. It helps uh, make the next generation better. All right, guys, thanks so much for taking time to to just come together and and share some memories and some laughs and some wisdom. Uh, I really appreciate it. I love every one of you, and I'm I'm so grateful that that we're uh, we're connected. So the thing that I love, there was many things that I love about this interview, but you're not alone. You know, you're yeah. not left yeah. to your own devices to figure it out. Just you and your wife. Um, there is a lot of wisdom that is taken from either like you want to accept the wisdom that your father imparted, or you want to maybe do the opposite or you want to do it a little bit differently. I think it's a, it's a, it's a lot of all that. Yeah. Was the, the thing that came out, one of the themes that came out was just, yeah, you take the good, you leave the bad, and you, you do your best. You have the facts of life. <laughs> you do your best. You know, I, I, I think of the Theodore Roosevelt quote, do what you can with what you have where you are. John Wesley said something very similar. Yeah, and Luis in the episode, he's like, just don't freak out about everything. Yeah. It's, you know, you're not a bad dad. Stop freaking out. It's, it's going to work out. And then the other part, too, is just I love hearing 
all four of you guys too because that reminds me that not you know because some of some of their dads have passed away and you know Trent made the point that he can still call up his dad but not everybody can do that not everybody still has that wisdom to draw from like in current reality but you have other guys around you that are parents that um, you can learn from each other and the sidebar thing I want to say is not everybody has a father. Not everybody sure. has a, uh, a dad that they have a healthy relationship with. And that's why, that's why I value, like my dad passed away a few years ago and I, I value the, these relationships with other guys who are in it with me, guys who are a little bit ahead, a little bit behind and right alongside. And, um, we just, we need that collective wisdom. Right. We need that, that opportunity to call each other forth, to encourage each other and support each other and everything. Okay. So this is the challenge that I would have for our listeners this week. The challenge I would have is ask the question, what wisdom do I want to take from my parents um, to use with my kiddos? You know, and I think you guys hit on a lot of great stuff in the episode, but that's such a great conversation to start with. And like you said, Justin, not everybody has a father or a mother or, you know, great parents, but there are certainly learnings that you took from that, whether it was good, bad, or somewhere in between. Yes. There are a lot, there's lots of wisdom that you can take from that sort of parenting experience. So let's take a, take a few minutes, have that conversation with your spouse. What is that wisdom that you have taken from your parents that you want to impart on your kids? As always, we'll be talking about the hot topics from this episode of the show and so much more over in our free community on Facebook. So come join the conversation at legendarymarriage.com slash community. Next week, we will return to our regularly scheduled programming (laughs) and we'll be talking with Tanya Whittle, bringing attention to five ways fear is harming your marriage. Is fear real? Should we pay attention to it? We'll talk about all that and more next week. You can find this episode and the show notes at legendarymarriage.com slash 081. Finally, we want to help more couples have the conversations that matter. So if you love the show, then please let us know. Jump over to iTunes, subscribe, rate, and review the show so we know how we're doing and other couples can find us. Have a great week and happy Father's Day. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Legendary Marriage Podcast. We're so glad you're part of the family. Remember, don't settle for an ordinary marriage. Make yours legendary. Legendary.